A big thing that's helped me in my preaching ministry is to be really intentional to take those study days to plan message series ahead of time so that when I get to Monday morning and I'm looking at the message uh, on Sunday, it's not a completely blank page. I, I know what what season of the church year I'm in if I'm going on lectionary, or I know what series I'm in or what book of the Bible I'm in. And I've done some work ahead of time to look at each week and develop some of the themes and be studying those passages. And that really jumpstarts my weekly sermon prep. Welcome to Monday Morning Preacher. I'm your host today, Kevin Miller. Today on this episode, we're gonna talk about a make or break challenge for every preacher. And it's one that is gonna be part of your week this week, because I know it's part of mine. And that is, how do I find enough time for sermon prep? Insert nervous, maniacal laugh right here. <laughs> <laughs> and with me today to help us sort that out and at least commiserate hugely right. is my good friend, fellow preacher, and what a good one, and church planter, Trevor McMacken. Hey, Welcome Kevin. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And you and your dear wife, Bonnie, uh, planted a City of Light in Aurora, Illinois. How many years ago now? Uh, it's been about six years. We planted in 2015. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I know that one of the things that you must feel and live in uh, from those early years was the intensity of being a church planner where just about everything comes back to you. Yeah. And yet you're also you know, supposed to be having a lot of time for sermon prep. So, yeah. What is it that makes finding that hard for you? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of different responsibilities that we as pastors have. I experienced that as a church planter where, you know, one day I'm trying to write bylaws and incorporate as a 501c3 and all those other logistics <laughs> and then, you know, close that document and like, okay, now write the message for Sunday. And for me, that was all as a brand new preacher too. I hadn't, I hadn't been preaching weekly before that. So that was some of the excitement of the early years, but that, that just keeps continuing. There's always you know, leadership or financial or organizational or pastoral realities where we need to invest our time and our leadership, but we also need to stay faithful and connected to our preaching ministry. So it can be a lot to prioritize and then actually execute those priorities. <laughs> Weren't you telling me that you had a, a crazy week, the week, the very yeah. week now? I had one of these weeks a few weeks ago that I think most of us have had. I've started to study the passage I'd be preaching on Sunday. It was Monday morning and got a phone call and there was just a challenging pastoral relational situation and I'd need to work on it on Monday and then cancel most of my week, the rest of the week to, to help sort it out. And that was important work to do, but it, it meant uh, Friday morning I woke up for uh, my day off and, and hadn't really worked on my message since Monday. <laughs> and, uh, and then my phone rang and it was you, Kevin, saying, hey, would you want to do a podcast about how hard it is to find time to write your sermon? <laughs> so that was just perfect. And of course, it was it was also a week where I was preaching at one of our sister churches on Saturday. Oh, perfect. So it was just, it, it was uh, it was pretty comical. So if uh, next time you think of me for a podcast episode, just give me a little warning uh, a little bit earlier. That'd be great. <laughs> Man, that is dripping with irony there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I one of the things I just feel is the frequency of it. You know, uh, I was in publishing, so it's not like I'm afraid of a deadline. But a lot of the time I was on quarterly or monthly cycles doing long form journalism. Sure. And, 
And uh, man, a sermon is never more than six and a half days away. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I want it to be good. And then there's all these interruptions. Like in publishing, my job was the that. And there weren't, honestly, the insane level of interruptions now. And like you said, they're good and holy interruptions. I right. mean, they're part of the work we do and we love. But man, the, the car breaks down, someone passes away, and you want to be with the grieving widow and help right. plan that service and make sure it's really meaningful for everyone. And and then, of course, you are going to write a message for the the a funeral service as well. And so I got to say, uh, a preacher's job some days, most days, just feels too big. Yeah, too many things. So what have you found helpful in trying to get enough time for your sermon prep? One of the things that we've done that I know you really believe in too is, is we have a team of preachers. So you talk about the frequency of every seven days. For me, every three or four weeks, um, I've got someone on my team preaching. And so that that really helps with that frequency, and that allows me to do some of those things I haven't been able to do, but that are important. It allows me to work ahead some, which we can talk about a little bit later. But, you know, I love preaching teams because it's great for raising up other leaders, and it's great for our congregation to hear from different voices. But it, it also really helps with the frequency and the pacing of my preaching ministry as well. Oh, man, you know, I'm a huge believer in preaching teams, too. And uh, whenever I suggest that, I get a lot of pushback from my preacher friends. Thankfully, you're not one of those, but they're going, well, yeah, it must be nice. I could never do that in my context. Of course, you were a planter, so you were able to sort of set that DNA. But even, you know, I at, at my current church, I was called there. The church was already planted. It had its own DNA. And and yet I started with the the search committee. <laughs> and I said, if you're calling me, you're calling me to not just preach, but to raise up other preachers from within our congregation. God has given them also teaching gifts. And honestly, every preacher has only so many life themes and you need other ones. I'm not as great in evangelism and mission as I wish I were. I'm more of a shepherd teacher. So you need people with that voice. You need people with other cultural experiences. So we have women preach. We have Asian Americans preach. We have African Americans preach. We have people who bring out the flavor of God's wisdom in ways that I uh, would might try but could not. Yeah. The same text, but the Holy Spirit's going to connect it to their hearts and then connect it to our congregation differently because of who they are and what they bring. So that also lets me on like a week I'm not preaching and I, I can take some of the time, you know, I'm going to coach that preacher before, I'm going to coach them after. A big thing that's helped me in my preaching ministry is to be really intentional to take those study days to plan message series ahead of time so that when I get to Monday morning and I'm looking at the message uh, on Sunday, it's not a completely blank page. I, I know what what season of the church year I'm in if I'm going on lectionary, or I know what series I'm in or what book of the Bible I'm in. And I've done some work ahead of time to look at each week and develop some of the themes and be studying those passages. And that really jumpstarts my weekly sermon prep because I've planned and sketched out and studied ahead for a couple months. Yeah, amen to that. That's been a big win for me. And also just to, to primarily work in series so that, you know, like right now we're in a series on First Corinthians for six weeks. Well, the work that I do for weeks one and two then pays off 
right. enlightens the exegetical background work for weeks three through six. So that's really been good for me too. Uh, you know, one thing that's been helpful to me, and I'd be interested in your rhythm, is the Martin Lloyd-Jones rule, I call it, because the immortal doctor, such a great preacher, preached three long sermons every weekend. I don't know how don't he did know. it. But one way he did it was he guarded his mornings, and he, he writes in his book on preaching and preachers to guard your mornings. He wouldn't let any visitors, no mail. Of course, he didn't have to deal with email, right. chat, and social <laughs> media. And I found that helpful. I don't I do not do it quite, I don't execute it as perfectly as I, he, it sounds like he did. But if I can even get two hours of my morning blocked to work on the message, then I find I'm not like in terrible trouble by the end of the week. I do something really similar to that as well, where Monday mornings, I'm, I'm coming to the text for the first time. And that's really helpful for me to start right away because then it lets it kind of percolate and I can be thinking about it throughout the week. Yeah. And then I come back to it Wednesday morning and Thursday morning. So that's when I do most of my writing is those three mornings. And, and I try not to be checking messages or taking phone calls or doing email before lunch on those days. So I can just be as focused as I can because I, I can get really distracted and then I'm thinking about the other thing and it's hard for me to <laughs> it's hard for me to study and write. Oh man, you said it, my friend. I, I <laughs> actually just finally gave up on myself. I realized I do not have self-control enough to stay away from the email. So I went out and spent money on software, freedom.to, and it just blocks out <laughs> every site, every text, even on my phone. And just, if I try to go to a site, I get a bright green screen with a little butterfly saying, enjoy <laughs> this freedom that you've yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I tried a software like that. It would redirect it to another page. And I had it redirect to a GIF of Gandalf saying something like, you shall not pass, or nice. I, ha I have no memory of this place or something like that. <laughs> I found the best software solution for me was just paper. As much as I can, like on what Monday. What is this paper? Is that a software? Or? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like a, it's it's kind of like an old software. It's like if you printed out a blank Google Doc or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'll take my Bible and I'll take my journal and I'll just work kind of offline on it. Um, and that helps me not go down other rabbit holes, um, not, not dig into other resources, especially early in the week, and just kind of sit with the text and in prayer and um, and it's a lot less distracting because people can't message my journal. Um, it's not it's not on Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or anything. It's just paper. That is amazing. <laughs> no, truly, I actually am jotting a little note here right now. Like I want to ex experiment with that on my, <laughs> on my Monday mornings. Yeah, yeah. You know, one that's been helpful for me is the Pomodoro timer. It's just uh, Pomodoro is Italian for tomato, and it. It was designed by <laughs> someone who took a tomato timer, the ones where you turn the top. And so the idea is that you can do focused mental work for about 20 minutes, which is why I think a TED talk is about 20 minutes. Right. And then it gives you five minutes off. And so I downloaded the simplest free app I could that had no bells and whistles, but it just pings me after 20 minutes and says, take five. I take five and then I hear a little signal that says, come on back to the laptop. And I have found that kind of crazily truly helpful for me and keeping me on task. So that's great. Yeah. I don't do it in as a uh, intentional way, but I, I do often find, you know, if I'm writing for three or four hours in a morning, that a mid morning walk is just so helpful to just leave the desk, leave the study, or walk around my neighborhood and 
I'm kind of an artist by temperament. And so uh, a lot of times the idea, the inspiration, something will click when I'm doing something that kind of takes up, you know, part of my brain that like driving, walking Mm -hmm. in the shower, and then something is like working behind the scenes and and clicks into place. Or I, I think of the illustration or I think of the story. And so, yeah, stepping away periodically, going for a walk, doing something like that. It really helps in my process, too. Oh, man, I agree with you. Once I've got what I think is going to be my big idea, I go take a walk. And that's actually where I do a lot of my praying, just kind of like reflecting on that idea, turning it over in my mind like a rock tumbler, polishing something. And, And I think about different people in my church and how this will sound to them. And so often I feel like the Holy Spirit gives me the best food for me and for the people right there in that prayer walk. Exercise, I think, has just got to be part of it. That's awesome. Yeah, so part of your process is the big idea prayer. I'm going to just put that on my calendar. Big idea prayer walk is part of my my week. Yeah, you know, and in order to find time for that, because, you know, I take about 45 minutes to an hour walk um, because I need some time to, like, get my mind in the right frame. Um, and I realized some of the software packages that allowed me to study, like, you know, variants in the Masoretic text (laughs) and and every life detail of Herodotus, I just realized (laughs) it was fascinating to me, but it was, it was making my sermons a little more stodgy and I needed to give up a little bit there so I could get a little more of the, what I call pastoral prayer um, time with the message. Yeah, that's really good. All right, let's talk about another aspect to this whole thing. Um, My wife, who's a a leadership coach, in fact, she coaches a lot of church leaders and preachers about finding time in their schedules. And she says you have to, when you want to make a change, you have to make external changes, like we've just talked about, software, schedule, walks, prayer walks, paper, those kind of things. But you also need to do some internal work, Yeah. um, make some internal changes. So for you, Uh, What have been some of kind of the internal rewiring that you've needed to do to find enough time for sermon prep, if my my question is making sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I think so much of the struggle that I have in writing during the week is an internal one. It's about my emotional life. It's about my spiritual life. You know, you guys talked on the podcast about the life cycle of a sermon that we have to we often have to push through something personal during the week. Mm-hmm. Not only does that take energy, but it also, there's a lot of opportunity for, for me, for procrastination. Like, I don't want to press into that. Amen. Preach the word. Um, but Or also, the, I think the flip side of that is obsession, where it's like, I have to make this everything and it has to be the, the greatest. And... It is a, a unique thing, you know, in other parts of my job, if I don't prepare enough or if I if I don't have time, no one sees the mediocre mm-hmm. thing. But of course, in preaching, you have to then stand up in front of everybody. And so I think one of the most internal things for me is just this journey of preaching not being about me and kind of my needs and how I'm feeling or what I'm getting from it, but it being about the congregation and it being about my relationship with the Lord. So what what is it that they need? And how am I being faithful to the Lord to feed his sheep with whatever I have that week? Boy, that is so fantastic, Trevor. I 
I love that you have come to that at, at still a relatively early, you know, part of your ministry. I had to learn that late. And, and so I actually now put a question into my framework for each sermon that I prepare. And it has this question, do I honestly love these people? And do I care more about what God thinks or what they think? And what it flushes out in my heart is stuff like, Last week went really well. I was so happy with it. Oh, I got to beat meet or beat that this week. Well, that's ridiculous. But right. it didn't, it, it, unless I pray about that, flush that out. Or it's the opposite. Last week totally bombed. I knew it bombed. They could tell it bombed. It just didn't work. Man, I've got to prove to them that I'm I'm not a schmo and I can do this. You know, and and yeah. or maybe it flushes out. I'm still a little stinging about a comment somebody made to me in a meeting last week. And if I don't pray about that right now, I'm going to carry that with me into the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. And then and that's going to affect how we preach and what we say. And one of the impulses that I sometimes have to fight against in a week where I haven't had a lot of prep is to like make the disclaimer, you know, in the message. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Give me a break up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I've done that before. I don't know if you've done that, Kevin, or I've seen other preachers do it. And man, that's a diagnostic for me to go, oh, this has become about me. Um, not about them, not about the Lord. And so that's it's trying to reframe my preaching as faithfulness, uh, not as excellence. Yeah. Um, and because faithfulness is what the Lord calls me to. And there's, you know, I love putting as much craft into it as I can. And I think that's wonderful. Um, but we've also, I, I mean, have you had those weeks, Kevin, where you didn't have much time and you don't feel great about it and the Lord uses it to change somebody's life? Oh my gosh! So often, I'm I'm telling my wife on on you know on the weekend, I, this this is not going to go anywhere. <laughs> I do not feel great about this, and then it goes fine, you know. And people were yeah. blessed. And the way I the way I've come to think about that is like I'm kind of a a mom cooking for the family or a dad cooking for the family, and it's like yeah, there's certain nights I'm going to pull out all the stops, like a yeah. birthday dinner for somebody, and I'm going to try to give it my best shot. But a lot of weeks. A lot of nights, it's just get food on the table. Just yeah. make it reasonably nutritious and serve them something so they don't die. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, feed my sheep. I think that's exactly <laughs> what he meant. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the biggest things for, for me of trying to grow in that area, because it really is a struggle for me, the wanting to do well, wanting to per the performance part of it has been Sabbath keeping. Mm. Part of my preaching rhythm and my weekly schedule is so that I can take the Sabbath in my preaching. Like I can get to a point in the week where I cease. And that just helps unhook some of this for me. This is amazing. I don't want to pause you very long, but just tell us what day is your Sabbath usually? So I do Sabbath uh, Friday night to Saturday night. Okay. And by Friday night, how Dinner much time. of your sermon is done? I mean, most weeks I've had, you know, six to eight hours by then, you know, on a good week. I least that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. I've got usually a big idea. I've got usually an outline. I've got some of the parts kind of crafted if all's been okay. And then I cease. I stop. Okay. And that has helped me and any anxiety I feel about it, any sort of perfectionism I feel about it, because then I just go and... Sabbath is about being with the Lord and sort of recognizing that this is ultimately his work. Mm -hmm. So uh, Rabbi Heschel, he talks about, uh, he says, it's it's never possible to have all your work done. Uh -huh. 
He's like, no matter, you could have, you could work for six days, you could work for seven days, you can work for your whole life, you'll never have it all done. And I think that's true for a sermon. Like a sermon, is it ever done, right? Um, at no. some point, you have to have a discipline of incompleteness and go like, this is enough and I'm now going to cease. Oh, that is so great. Mako Fujimura, the, <laughs> the great artist, he yeah. says the best art is incomplete. Yeah. The oh. best art is incomplete. I love it. Yeah. So we make our contribution and then um, we hand that over to the Lord. I do that in my Sabbath keeping. That's the way I, I do that. And then Saturday night, I come back to it. We get all ready for, for church and I, I, I do another hour or two. But I also have a hard stopping point on Saturday night. And then... Then I get up on Sunday and I preach it. And boy, it's been so good because so often on Sabbath day, the Lord will just lock something in place for me in my own relationship with Him, in my own spiritual life. And so then I can I can actually do what needs to be done to finish it and to give it and to give it when it's less about me and when I'm more centered in Him because I've kept the Sabbath on my sermon. So let me just say this to those of you listening to the podcast, what is an internal change, an internal work that you could do in your soul with the help of God's spirit guiding you and maybe a mentor, friend, spiritual director or counselor kind of working with you on it? I'll just give you an example for me. I want people to like me, so I wasn't saying no often enough to requests for things. And, uh, and my spiritual director finally looked at me and said, Kevin, so you want people to think you're nicer than you really are. <laughs> Which you know, wait, he didn't exactly softball it, but yes, he got me. So preacher, what, what is it that part of the reason for your struggle to find time is, is an internal one? Uh, surface that if you would. And then are there any ideas that may have occurred to you while uh, Trevor was speaking today or I about uh, external change? Could I adjust my schedule, my software, my rhythms, whatever that may be? Uh, because uh, finding time for sermon prep is something for you every week. It'll benefit you every week and it'll bless bless your people as well. Well, this has been Kevin Miller with Trevor McMacken, pastor of City of Light Anglican in Aurora, Illinois. And we come to you from preachingtoday.com, the resource from christianitytoday.com. And if you don't have a membership there, join me and uh, get one. All right, thank you for listening. <laughs>